Psalm 116. Psalm 116. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord had dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant, I am thy servant, and the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. You know, life can present an array of difficulties and tough times. I believe it was Job who said that man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of troubles. If you live long enough on this earth, you're going to face troubles. You're going to face trials. There's going to be tribulations that's going to come into your life. There's going to be difficulties. We are encouraged to be able to stay close to God even during these times in which we are engaged in right now. And the psalmist here expresses his closeness to God. No one knows the author of this psalm, though. Some speculated that it was Hezekiah. It may very well have been Hezekiah, as you recall in the Old Testament, that God had summoned the prophet Isaiah to go to the king and to tell him to set his house in order. Because he said, you will die and not live. Now the text tells us here that immediately Hezekiah had turned his face to the wall and began to pray to God. Go, God heard his prayer and ultimately extended his life some 15 years. And so maybe there will be the case that the backdrop of this psalm is the life of Hezekiah. So I want to begin tonight, if you will, by first of all talking about the pain of the psalmist or his struggles. There are two ways that the psalmist describes his suffering. First, he talks about his physical suffering. And then secondly, he talks about his emotional suffering. 
First of all, let's accentuate the fact that he was suffering physically. Physically. We have a description of his troubles there in verse 3, verse 6, and, and verse 8. And the psalmist outlines the troubles that he faced. There are two very specific things that stand out in those verses. First of all, he learned about the frailty or the frailty of life. Notice, if you will, again, verse 3. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I have found trouble and sorrow. Drop down to verse 8 there, and notice he says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. The frailty of life. The fact that one day you can be healthy and the next day just right at the brink of death. The fact that our tenure here on this earth is brief at best. And then he also learned about being feeble in life. Because notice what he said in verse 6. For the Lord preserveth the simple. Then he makes a statement. I was brought low. And he Help me. That's right. The word low here in the original carries with the idea of to hang down. And really the idea is the psalmist is describing his loss of strength, his weakness. Many times when we are in the very throes of a difficult situation, trials and difficulties and sickness and even illness, we, we, we have a diminished strength, don't we? And our suffering is compounded by that fact. But then we notice the death of his troubles. The psalmist in a very succinct way describes his troubles and the death of those troubles. Look at verse 10, if you will. And listen to what he says in four words. He says, I was greatly afflicted. Not just afflicted, not just a little bit afflicted, but he said, I was greatly afflicted. The very fact that he had been told to set his house in order, if Hezekiah is the writer of this song, because he was going to die, underscores the very fact that the great affliction, or of that great affliction that he faced. He suffered physically, but then, secondly, he suffered emotionally. Verses 6 and 7. Here he describes the very turbulence that's in his life. Look at verse 6. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. You know, the idea is that one time there, there had been a sense of tranquility. There had been a, a calmness and peace in his life. And now that peace has been disrupted. And many of us, I mean, we face difficulties in this life. Sometimes we just don't know really we don't really appreciate how blessed we are until we have been brought down low, right? Been stripped of our hell physically and even emotionally. And so the psalmist here speaks of his turbulence. There are a lot of people that are in our world, if you will, that, and people in the church too as well, whose lives have been shattered. I think about it all the time of those that have, there's, their dreams have been torn asunder. And also there's suffering with sadness and sorrow 
because their, their world has just been turned upside down. But add to, to add to his turbulence, the fact that there was also tears as well. The Bible speaks of his tears in verse 8. Notice, he says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears. You know, there are just some folks, because of the difficulties in death, that the trials, the tribulations that they face, have just gone to sleep weeping. I mean, they just cried themselves to sleep. There are some people that have been unable to sleep because of the physical and the emotional strain of the difficulties that have been imposed upon them. Tears are our natural expression for sorrow and being overwhelmed with the troubles of our lives. David in the Psalms said on one occasion in Psalm 56 and verse 8, he said, you put my tears into your bottle. You see, David was a man that was acquainted very much so with physical and emotional stress, duress. Sometimes we look back at some of the very great characters of the Bible and, and, and we see them as spiritual giants. And to think that they might be weeping at one point in their life, we, we don't consider that at the, at, the, at the moment, but they're human beings, aren't they? And so there are times that, that as spiritual giants, that they have been brought down low to that point that tears welled up into their eyes as well. You see, God would use them to do great, great things, but he did not exempt them from the trials and the tribulations and the tears of life. But now notice the prayers of the psalmist. We talked about his pain. We talked about his struggles. But notice with me his prayers, his supplication. First, he makes this statement in verses 1 and 2. He says, I love the Lord... Because he had heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Boy, you can tell right there, if this is Hezekiah, the change that he had made in his life that was necessary. There are a couple of things that maybe we ought to appreciate about prayer. The first thing is, is that the great privilege of prayer. The, the wonderful opportunities we have to be able to go before the very throne of God. Prayer is one of the great spiritual blessings that we can enjoy in this life. You know, Peter talks about how in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, no, it was Paul, I'm sorry, talks about that in Ephesians 1 3, that every spiritual blessing resides in Christ Jesus. But then Peter in 1 Peter 3 and verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so the privilege of going before the very throne of God and bowing our heads and praying to him to know that God hears those prayers. 
John said in John, 1 John 5, 14, he says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He may not answer them in maybe the way that we think they should be answered, but God does answer our prayers. And of course, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, well, you need to wait. Right? And the psalmist here speaks of the fact that God had heard him. But then I think about the power of prayer. Look again at what the psalmist said in verse 1. He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear unto, my, unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Look at verse 4 now. Then call I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. How many times in life have we found ourselves on the brink of some type of difficulty? Some type of trouble or trial or disaster. Or, or maybe it's somebody that we love is under great duress and we implored our heart out to them. Then we've done it to Jehovah God to know that God even hears those prayers. You know, James said in James 5 and verse 6 that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There is power in prayer. And many of us can look back at circumstances in our lives and we can think about the duress and the difficulties that have come our way that we're facing. And we would get up in the morning and we would pray to God. We would go to bed at night in prayer to God. We look back and we reflect upon the fact that a gracious God answers our prayers. You know, the Hebrew writer once said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. You see, when we, go to before the, when we go before the throne of God, we go with the expectation that number one, God hears us. Then number two, that God will act in accordance to his will. He will always. Aren't you thankful for the providential care and for the goodness of God? I know I am. The psalmist talks about the graciousness of Almighty God, which really suggests another key point here. That not only was he heard by the Lord, but he was helped by the Lord as well. Notice his assessment of the Lord in the long ago. Notice verse 4. He said, then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and here it is. And he helped me. He helped me. How many times in life have you walked away thinking that the Lord was with me, that the Lord was helping me? I'm, I'm hoping that there was times. And you reflect upon his goodness, his graciousness, his mercy. You know, many Bible characters in days gone by have expressed those very sentiments. I think about the words of, of David, where David had said on one occasion, This I know, for our God is 
with me. Psalm 56, 9. You know, the psalmist said on one occasion, God is our refuge and our strength, are very present in, in help in time of trouble. Psalm 46, 1. To know that, that God is there. Based on what we preached about this morning, about does Jesus care? God cares. He does care. And we're to lay it all out to him. And then I think about his aid from the Lord. Consider verse 6 again. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I believe the psalmist here is, is talking about the aid that was rendered to him by God in heaven. Remember just earlier he said, and he helped me. There are three distinct characteristics of God. We mentioned some of those this morning, but he's omnipotent. That is that he's all power. That really just shows us just the, the very idea that God has the power to come to our rescue. But then the second is that God is omnipresent, that he's ever present. In Psalm 139 and verse 7 and following, the psalmist basically asked the questions, where can I flee from the presence of God? You can't. You see, the answer, you can't. God is everywhere. And so then I think about God's omnipotence, his omnipresence, and the very fact that God is omniscient as well. God is all-knowing, God understands, and he knows every single bird. We've read about that. Every tear that falls from our eyes, he knows it. God is mindful of what Jesus said in Matthew 10, that the very hairs of our head are numbered. If God has the ability to number the hairs of our head, then he has the same ability to take into consideration the tears that flows from my eyes. So yes, God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omnipresent, that means he's ever-present, he's omniscient because he's all-knowing. And the psalmist said in 139 verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God knows us inside and out. Inside and out. And then there's a third thing that I think that we need to see in this point, and that he was hopeful in the Lord. Look at verse 15. The psalmist says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I, I can't help but to think back to Brother Gordon Methvin. Every time I read that verse, I think of him. You see, if it were the case that this was Hezekiah that wrote this. Hezekiah is at the door of death. The prophet had just said, look, you need to set your house in order because you're going to die and not live. If we pass from this life, we have hope of a better life. Did you know that there are provisions for us in death? I mean, if life were the end today as a child of God... There are provisions for us. 
I know I do not have to walk the corridor of death alone. I know that Brother Gordon did not have to walk the, the, the corridor of death alone. Many times people are fearful of death. And they're frightened by the prospect of dying. Sometimes individuals have died alone. Alone, they have found they have been found by friends or family members. But if you're in Christ, let me tell you, you're not alone. You might be alone physically, but you're not alone spiritually. You see, if you're in Christ, you didn't die alone. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Right? Thou art with me. When Lazarus died, as depicted by Jesus in Luke 16, the Bible says that the angels bore his spirit, his soul was in the bosom of Abraham. Jesus said in Luke 23, in talking to one of the thieves on the cross, who had said to him, verse 42 there, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And so there are provisions for us. But then there are promises to know that if I die, I die in Christ, I go to be with the Lord, and I am with him forevermore. You know, back in Luke 16, as we were talking about earlier in verse 25, Jesus said of Lazarus, but now he is comforted. That's right. And so paradise is a place of comfort, isn't it? It's also described as a place of rest because in Revelation 14, 13, John said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. You know, when Paul thought about death in the long ago in writing to the church at Philippi, he said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. But in verse 23, he says, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, you know, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. When you, you, when you really just put it all together, you think about going to a place that's described by Jesus as paradise. In paradise, you're going to a place of comfort, of rest, again, a place that is described as better, where many times we, we cling to life, yet to know that there's a better place there that awaits us. And then finally, I think about there is power over death. You, you see, the, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus destroyed him who has the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2.14. That when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again, that the dead will be raised. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that death shall be swallowed up in victory. That's what he said. A passage that many of us have read time and time and again. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, where John had said that there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, 
no cry, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Isn't that wonderful to know that there is such a place? You see, there's hope. To know that when we die in Christ, we go to a better place. Ultimately, that we will live forevermore. And so there's hope. And the psalmist said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Verse 15 of Psalm 116. Don't you think that God is fully aware of every single saint that goes home? To know that we go and we be with him. And then there's a third thing that I want you to see. And it has to do with the profession of the psalmist. And really there are two key things that are here in Psalm 116. Of all of God's gracious blessings... The psalmist, first of all, talks about his vows to the Lord. Here he is saying that he is going to devote his life to God. Notice verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Not just privately, but publicly. That's right. Notice verse 16. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. And so we see here that the psalmist really is saying, my life is yours, God. Use me in thy service. I am your servant. And then there's a second thing that not just his vows to the Lord but his veneration of the Lord. First his gratitude and then his attitude. Consider what he said there in verse 17. He says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know, we we pray to God and we acknowledge our needs and our, our worries. And as we were saying this morning, that we need to give all our cares upon him. Our wants, our desires. Sometimes we come before him. We come into his presence with heavy hearts and the burdens of life have overwhelmed us. And we ask God to intervene, to aid us, to to be with us, to bless us. And he he does. Do, do Do you ever pause afterward knowing that that God took those cares and then thank him for what he's done? Have you ever thought about that? Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians 4 when he says, be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication? Now listen to him. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We are to thank God for his great blessings. I think about the words of the psalmist in Psalm 68 in verse 19 when he said, bless me the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. You know, just, just really just to step back and, and just survey all the great blessings that we enjoy. They're, it's numberless. It's numberless. The fact that we have been down in the valley and now we're out of that valley to acknowledge that to God, to ask God to continue to be with us 
And we need to express thanksgiving to him for what he's done. But then listen to his attitude. That was his gratitude, but listen to his attitude, verse 18. He said, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all of his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. And then listen to what he says here. He says, praise ye the Lord. Have you ever been through a whirlwind in life? I'm talking about when your life has literally just been turned upside down. So much that you've lost sleep or you went to bed with tears. That you're not focused, that your heart is burdened. That you have shed tears upon tears upon tears. That you have lived in anxiety day in and day out. Then that storm cloud passes. That turbulent time backs away. How did you react? What was your attitude? Oh, we know what the attitude of the psalmist was. But what was your attitude? Well, here's the attitude of the psalmist. He says, praise ye the Lord. I am so thankful to get down on our knees and to thank Almighty God, to praise Him for all of the all that He has done and all for all that He does on our behalf and will do on our behalf. We talk about what it means to be a Christian. And again, I, as I said, even this morning, I've said it many times, and Eva Jane Methman has said it many times. I've heard her. I just don't know how folks can go through life without Christianity or how they can have go through life without God and Christ in their lives. I think about that all, many times. I, I just don't know how people are able to, to really put one step in front of another without God, without Christ, without the Lord. You talk about all the benefits and the blessings of being a child of God. And if you live long enough on the earth, you're going to face some tough times. And yet... And yet, in the midst of those tough times, to know that God is there. Isn't that wonderful? Staying close to God in tough times. Just like David said, this I know, God is for me. To know that the words of the psalmist, of the the Hebrew writer actually, are so true when he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. As a matter of fact, the psalmist in this contest Context makes an interesting statement in verse 11. He said, in my haste, all men are liars. Uh, To think that what he was saying is under duress. He felt as if no one was there for him. No shoulder to cry upon. No one to sympathize and empathize with. No one to encourage him. But the Lord was there. The Lord was there. And so as a child of God, you may feel alone. But I want to assure you the Lord is there. Through the tough times, through the good times, the the Lord is there. I really believe that one of the great things that we can sell the people in the world when it comes to becoming a child of God is that you need him. You need him. You need him in this life. You need him in the next life. But you need them more now. 
Because at best, life can be difficult. If you're listening tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to become one. Based on your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. To recognize that without faith it's impossible to please God or to be well-pleasing to Him, Hebrews 11.6. To repent of your sins, that is, to, conf- to make a, a change in your life. You, you can no longer be, I use my name, and that you can no longer be the old Charles. You're going to be a new Charles. You make a 180-degree turn. Then confess His name before others to let it be known, and then to be immersed in that watery grave of baptism so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. Because you see, it's at that point that you come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus done his part. God has done his part. Jesus has done his part. The Holy Spirit has done his part. Now it's up to us to do our part. And that is to believe, to have faith in God, in Christ, to believe and then to repent and then make that good confession and then go down into the watery grave based on that confession that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. I hope that we can help you even tonight. Maybe maybe the first thing when you wake up in the morning after you slept on it, that you said, I've got to get this done. I hope that you will. Call me. Write me, text me, whatever it might be. Just, just let it be known. I've got to make the, I, I've, I've got to do this. Or I'm going to die and I'll be lost. And I hope that you come to that point in your life and you understand that. You might be already a child of God, but you've wandered away. It can happen. We were just talking about staying close to God even in the tough times. And that is as, as a child of God. And sometimes the difficulties in life just comes our way that, that will sometimes push God away because we're thinking, why would God allow that to happen to me or to my loved one or whatever? Remember, the Lord's there. He hasn't left. He's been there the whole time. We need to get our gratitude and attitude in the right place. The Lord is there. So repent of those sins. Pray that God will forgive you. We'll pray with you and for you as well. You know, you can't get around that. That Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. I hope that you'll make that decision tonight.